0: worshiping with us on live stream as well we want you to know that we are as a congregation we're reading the Bible together we call the program reading in sync and this past week we've been reading from the book of first Peter there are five chapters in first Peter and we've read one chapter a day with this question in mind how can I cooperate with God more especially in difficult circumstances in my life how can I be cooperative and do what God would have me to do. Because sometimes we don't cooperate with God when we face troubles. How can I cooperate with God more? And you might have seen as you've read First Peter this week. Passages like First Peter chapter 1 verses 13 through 15. Where the Bible tells us that we ought to gird up the loins of our minds. And be sober. And rest our hope fully upon Jesus Christ. And the grace that will be revealed. And that we ought to be holy because he's holy. Or maybe you saw 1 Peter 2, verses 11 and 12, where the Bible reminds us that this world is not our home. We are strangers and pilgrims here. Or maybe you saw 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, where the Bible reminds us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due season, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. A lot of people face troubles and they don't ever think to do these types of things. But Christians are different. Christians listen to and respond to and obey the will of God, even when we don't understand or know why things are the way they are. We believe in a great God and we believe that He is guiding us and that each step we take is leading us closer to a relationship with Him and leading us closer home, as we just sang a moment ago. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23, I want us to think about these words this morning. 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 21. Peter's talking to Christians who are hurting, who are suffering, who are going through difficulty. And here's what he says, read by Jeremy just a moment ago. He says, to this you were called... He's talking about your hurting, your suffering. To this, to being faithful in the midst of suffering, this is what you were called to because Christ also suffered for us or for you, depending on your translation. Leaving an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Jesus has walked before us. Jesus didn't come just to be our savior. He came to be our example. Back in World War II, when both sides the axis of the allies made liberal use of landmines infantry troops would have to wade through these landmine fields, and someone would have to be the point man in the infantry platoons and they'd have to go through and they'd have to decide and figure out where the mines were and then everybody that would follow behind that point man was supposed to put their feet exactly where the point man had put his and by doing that the troops would be able to navigate through the minefield And what the Bible teaches about Jesus is that He came not just to save us from our sins, not just to redeem us and ransom us to God through His blood, Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, but Jesus came to be our example that we might follow in His footsteps. You see that again in verse 21. He planted His feet in certain places when He came to this world, and by doing that, He showed us how we can live, how we should live. In fact, Jesus offered to let people follow him he did that repeatedly during his ministry in Matthew 16 verse 26 if anyone would come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me remember after he washed the apostles feet in John 13 in verses 15 through 17 he said do you know what I've done you call me Lord and teacher for so I am but I have washed your feet And I've left you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus didn't come just to save us from sin. He came to be our example. And the Bible challenges us with this thought. We ought to follow Christ. We ought to be in the very footsteps of Christ. And each step we take ought to lead us closer Christ likeness may I ask you the question this morning if you continue to follow the path you're on right now if you continue to walk in the direction you're walking right now where will you be at the end of your days if you continue to make the choices you're making to make the decisions and have the values that you hold if you continue with those things where will you be when you arrive at your deathbed where will your life be at that point You see, the challenge of Christianity is to leave our way behind and to walk after Christ, to follow him. And the thing about following Jesus is that it is ennobling. It lifts us up because Christ is high. And someone who is higher than we are can lift us up. Can raise us up as a matter of fact in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21 the Bible says that Jesus is far above all And so he reaches down and he invites us to come and to be raised up When you decide that you want to truly follow Jesus when you want to put put your feet where his feet are you want to follow in his footsteps When you decide you want to do that It changes everything about our lives And maybe one of the things we ought to do as Christians is to sit down and ask ourselves this. Do I want what he wants? Are my motives the same as his motives? Because if I'm going to follow in Christ's example, those things have got to be true. I need to want what he wants. I've got to have the same motives that he would have. I want to have the same priorities that are his. I want to think about how Jesus lived and I want to live that way too. Each step I take, I want to be like Jesus Christ. I'd like to challenge you this morning with these thoughts. As we consider following in the footsteps of Christ, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, there are five areas in which we ought to try, strive, to be more like Christ. If we really would follow in the footsteps of Christ, five areas in which we ought to contemplate whether we're really as like Him as we need to be. Area number one is this, if I would be like Christ, I must think the way Christ thought. A lot of people don't give much attention to what's going through their minds. It's easy to turn on the streaming service and to veg out and to not think much about what we're thinking. But you're thinking something. And it's been said that people's souls are dyed the color of their thoughts. What we think about all day long, that's what we are. And the Bible challenges us when it comes to thinking to have this mind in you. The mind of Christ, Philippians 2 and verse 5. It's about how and what we think. In Proverbs 23 verse 7, the Proverbs writer says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are what you think about all day long. Years ago, I read a book on communication. It was fascinating. I'd never never thought about this before, but the book suggested that everybody has an internal dialogue going on all the time. We're talking to ourselves all the time. We're saying things about our circumstances. We're saying things to ourselves about other people, but most of our dialogue has to do with who we are and what we're like what is your internal dialogue saying about you and about who you are and about what you're like the bible says we are what we think and if we would follow in the footsteps of christ if we would follow his example we're going to have to think the way he thought isaiah 55 verse 8 god said as you look down upon mankind my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways We don't often think like God thinks. How can we have the mind of Christ? How can we think the way He thinks? The answer is found in Scripture. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 8, and I want you to look with me at verse 10. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10, and listen to what the writer tells us about how God wants us to think. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10 For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel, God says, after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You want to start thinking more like Jesus? We must inscribe the precious and glorious word of God on our hearts and on our minds. That's what God says a Christian is. A Christian is someone who has his word, God's words, and God's thoughts written on our hearts, written on our minds. And so what we're doing is replacing that internal dialogue that's going on. And we're just saying whatever comes to mind, whatever we think, we're starting to replace that with thoughts that come from God and from God's word. That's part of the reason why we want to read more of God's word. Because as we read, we're absorbing God's thoughts, God's mind. And what happens is we start to have the mind of Christ as we allow God's word to change our thinking. God desires for people to take his words and to write them on their minds and hearts. That's how we go about having the mind of Christ. You are what you think. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, what you think shapes everything else about you. When we have the mind of Christ, what's the result? When we have the mind of Christ, we're going to be spiritually minded, not carnally minded. That's worth pondering. We'll be spiritually minded, not carnally minded. But not only that, we're going to have our priorities ordered the way that Jesus did. There were certain things that Jesus said no to while he was here. There were certain things that he said he had to do while he was here. When we have the mind of Christ, we start to see the difference and discern. When we have the mind of Christ, we think like Jesus. We ponder and look at situations the way he did. We hunger and thirst after righteousness, Matthew 5 and verse 6. We must think the way Christ thought. You want to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, secondly? We must love the way Christ loved Take your Bible, if you would, and open to John 13, and look at verses 34 and 35. Want to have the mind of Christ, or want to uh, want to follow Christ and follow his example? We must love the way Christ loved. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Jesus is telling his disciples, he's telling us, I want you to love. But he says it's a new commandment. What's new about it? What's new about the commandment is not the command to love each other. What's new about the command is the depth of love. As I have loved you. When Jesus died on that cross, when he stretched out his arms and died for us, this is how much I want you to love other people. That's what he's saying. If we would have the mind of Christ, if we would follow Christ's footsteps, we must love the way he loved. We must love the way he loved. Think about this. In 1 John 3, verse 18, John writes that our love should not just be in words. It's not just good intentions. It's not just posting on Facebook with a thumbs up and saying, love you. That's no, not just love in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth, 1 John 3.18. It's expressed, it's shown to others. I care, and I show it by my devotion and my sacrifice on your behalf. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23, when Peter's writing about following in his footsteps, there is no trace of resentment or animosity in the way Jesus loved people. Even though he was mistreated, even though he was treated with the greatest injustice that's ever been perpetrated, the Bible says he did not revile, nor was there guile found in him. I want to be able to love that way, don't you? When people mistreat us, when things are not going the way that we want, we want to be able to continue to show God's love, the love of Christ. If we would walk in the footsteps of Jesus, we're going to have to love the way he loved. He asked his disciples on one occasion in Matthew chapter 5, verses 45 through 47, right after telling his disciples to love their enemies and to pray for the people that abuse them, Right after that, he asked the question, what do you more than others? And what he was recognizing in that passage is that everybody has people around them that love them, that appreciate them. But he says, my disciples are marked by a special kind of love. Not just a love for one another, but a love even for those that are their opponents. My disciples are different. What do you more than others? If we would follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to love the way he loved. Following in his footsteps. Following his example. Number three this morning. If I would follow in the footsteps of Christ, this must be true of me. I must forgive the way Christ forgave. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, that famous prayer, the first thing he said from the cross, Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They're nailing the Son of God to the cross. He's done nothing worthy of that punishment. And yet he prays for forgiveness for his enemies, for those who are doing this to him. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. And I want you to look at verse 13. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Sometimes people say, you know, I understand that Jesus is a forgiving person and I'm glad about that, but I just don't know that I could ever forgive that person. I don't know that I could ever forgive someone for what they've done. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13 The scripture says, we are to bear with one another and to forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. If Jesus could forgive me, I wronged him. I offended God. If God could forgive me, as God has forgiven me, I am to forgive others. Look back in your Bible at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There it is again, that phrase. As God has forgiven me, as Christ has forgiven me, that ought to be the way that I treat other people. It's about following in the footsteps of Jesus. It's about living the way He lived and thinking the way He thought and forgiving the way He forgave. When Jesus taught the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, Father, hallowed be your name, remember? The only thing that Jesus commented on at the end of that prayer in Matthew 6 verses 14 and 15 was the expression, Forgive us our debts as we also forgive those who are indebted to us. And Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6, here's his commentary on that prayer. In Matthew 6, 14 and 15, he says, If you will not forgive those who have wronged you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. It's serious. If I would follow Jesus, if I would be in his footsteps and follow his example, I'm going to have to practice forgiveness the way he did. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Peter once asked the question, How many times do I have to forgive people who wrong me? Up to seven times? Jesus said, Up to 70 times seven. He told the parable of the man who was forgiven a great debt, and then he went to his friend who had just a small debt by comparison, and was angry with him and threw him in prison, and his master was angry. Because he had forgiven such a tremendous debt, and now he was holding his friend responsible for such a small debt. Forgiveness has to do with letting things go, with reconciliation in our relationships. It has to do with wanting to be together as the people of God. Forgive the way Christ forgave. What must I do if I would follow the example, the footsteps of Christ? Number four we must endure as Christ endured endurance is tough endurance by its very nature means I gotta hold on and it's not just about holding on to things it's not just about grinning and bearing it sometimes endurance means that there is a joyful trust that with God things are gonna be better in our high school Bible class I'm teaching the high schooler in junior high on Sunday mornings we talked about Romans eight eighteen this morning How the Bible says, I consider, I reckon, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The difficulties and the challenges and the problems that we face, we are to endure those as Jesus endured, looking for something better because God promises that. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verses, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 4. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 4. And think about what the Hebrews writer is saying. We are to run with endurance, verse 1, the race that is set before us. Hebrews 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, there's that word again, the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider, verse 3, him who endured, there's the word again, such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, for you have not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin. We look to Jesus, we look to the way he endured, and we reflect on that as we struggle and as we suffer. We must endure as Christ endured. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 3, Paul told Timothy, a young preacher, to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I've thought about that a lot over the years. When you read about wars and military history, You'll find that most of the time, troops are put into situations in less than ideal circumstances and given missions that are often impossible to accomplish. And what are those troops, what are those soldiers expected to do? They are expected, in whatever circumstance, to be faithful to their country, endure hardship. And what the Bible is telling us as Christians is that we are to endure hardship as good soldiers... Of Jesus Christ, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. We endure as Christ endured. Not only that, Hebrews 12 verse 7 tells us that we are to endure chastening as Christians. The discipline of the Lord. The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 that God will always provide a way of escape in every temptation that we may be able to endure it. In every temptation we face, there's a promise from God that we can, if we'll look for it, find a way to endure in faith. The Bible teaches in 2 Timothy 2, verse 10, that we are to endure all things. Paul said, I endure all things for the sake of God's elect. And then the Bible teaches in James chapter 5, verse 11. James was writing to Christians who were hurting as well, and he said, Behold, we count them blessed or happy who endured. Those who persisted and held on to their faith and were faithful to God's will, we count them blessed because they endured. We ought to think more about endurance as Christians. It's one thing to say, I'm going to follow Jesus today. It's another thing to say, I'm going to follow Jesus every day. Endurance is needed. Then number five, if I would follow the example of Christ, if I would walk in his footsteps, each step I take, if that would happen in my life, we must obey as Christ obeyed. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5 and look at verses 8 and 9. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Notice what the writer says about Jesus and obedience. Although he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And having been perfected, verse 9, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So Jesus learned to obey. He came to this world and he did what God required him to do. He did what God gave him to do. He obeyed. And now he's become the author of eternal salvation to all those who choose to obey him. If I would follow in the footsteps of Christ, obedience has got to be part of my life. It's got to be what I do. In Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7, the Bible speaks of Jesus and how he humbled himself. He came to this world and obeyed to the very point of death. What was the secret to Jesus' obedience? Why did he obey and how was he able to obey the way he did? The answer is found in Philippians 2, verse 6. In the fact that he humbled himself. The fact that Jesus humbled himself and chose to do what God wanted, not just what he wanted. Obedience. In John 4:34, Jesus said, I've made God's will my food. His disciples came to him and they brought food and they said, here's some, something to eat. And Jesus says, I have food to eat, which you know not of. Lord, where did you get food? He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Not only that, Jesus says in John 6, verse 38, the thing that I came to do in this world, I came to do God's will. I came to accomplish what he gave me to do. If I would follow in Jesus' footsteps, these things need to be characteristic of me. In John 8, verse 39, I always do the things that please my Heavenly Father. I'm striving to please Him. I'm obeying Him in all my ways. If we'd follow in Jesus' footsteps, we must obey the way He did. On one occasion in Luke chapter 5, Jesus came to His apostles, and they were about to be His apostles... And they had had fished all night and they'd not caught anything. And Jesus said, go back out, let let your nets down for a catch. And Peter said in Luke 5, verse 5, Lord, we've toiled all night. We've not caught anything. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll do this. If Jesus gives us a word, if he tells us this is what we are to do, that's good advice. At your word, we will do this. In John 2, verse 5, Mary, the mother of Jesus, said, Whatever he says to you, do it. That's good advice for living. We must obey as Christ obeyed if we would follow in the footsteps of Jesus. What does Jesus ask you to do? If you're not a Christian, what does he ask you to do? In obedience to his will, Jesus says, You must believe that I am the Christ. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. John chapter 8, verse 24. Jesus commands us to repent of our sin. He said, unless we do so, we will perish. Luke 13, verse 3. Jesus commands us to confess him. With, confession, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible teaches. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And Jesus commands people who want to be right with him to be baptized. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark 16, verse 16. If I would follow in the footsteps of Christ, I need to think and to love and to forgive the way that Jesus did those things. And most of all, I need to obey the way that Jesus obeyed. All that God has commanded, that we will do. If you can, if you need to respond this morning and you'd like to obey the gospel, or maybe you'd like to respond and ask for prayers, we're going to sing an invitation song at this time, and make your way down the aisle and make your need known, while together we stand and while we sing.